the FTM Formula One podcast. Connor McNally, Harry Tucker, Trevor along with you. And uh, if you haven't seen the race, if you haven't watched the highlights, I'm just going to say, press pause, go take a day off work and just watch that because that was worth watching, boys. I I quite, I mean, there's some issues to unpack in terms of the sport and Mercedes and Red Bull's dominance, but broadly, it was an entertaining couple of hours. Well, outside Austria, is probably the best race of the year. Yeah, was I Austria think so. the good one? Yeah. Austria was the, the good one, right? The, the, yeah. the first or the second Austria? No, it was the first race. The first, first one, whatever I just... <laughs> where there was like 25 DNFs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, there was just so much in it. And I think, Connor, that's, um, that's reflected in both our heart rates. Yes. Um, and we'll get to why. But um, it's it was just, yeah, it was a bit of an everything race. It went the full kind of 60 laps of, of entertainment. I think it's the best, the second best entertaining entertainment race for this year, without a question. And uh, what's interesting about that is, for the last two days uh, in the coverage, especially when they had rain to, to fill time in, on Friday, a lot of conversation, and we'll get to after the talking about the race, we'll talk about the engines, but a lot of conversations from um, pu- commentators talking to pundits, talking to everyone, saying, you know, should F1's future be about, um, you know, technology or the environment or entertainment? I've got your answer. It should be entertaining. You know, like the the future of the sport should take the whatever the engine plans are. The future of the sport should take into account that it needs to be entertaining. That's that's all that matters. I mean, I feel quite awake, and it's mm. one a.m. one a.m. in the morning, and we're we're buzzing after yeah. a, a great race, in my opinion. So I mean, Bottas on pole, uh, and he got a. There was a clean start from everyone, like quite surprisingly, given the a number bit, of bit highlights from yes, the number of highlights from from this track, Nurburgring, that that has solid first corner incidents. It was a bit disappointing. It was a bit disappointing, but let's face it, I think we were all expecting it to be chaos and catastrophic. I put money on like four different yeah. drivers for <laughs> retiring. You know, I assumed so that would happen. It's even hard for me to get the words out right now because we were all expecting a lot of chaos at the start. But it what was, was just great about the start was Bottas and Hamilton because <clears throat> no, the, the nature of we're watching the podium right now and it is utterly disappointing that COVID has ruined the world because we can't see Daniel smile yes. because. You know, face masks are one thing, but and you can see he's smiling through that face mask. Mask, but um, you know, it's still disappointing. You can't see that cheeky buddy grin. But that that first corner is actually quite a technical, very interesting corner in in every sense of the word because um, it created so many incidents during the race, both actual you know wheel to wheel, carbon fiber to carbon fiber, and also just lockups and things. So in the first corner, we had um, Bottas and Hamilton battling it to the point where you know, that that first, you know, five corners, it was very hard to tell who was in the lead. And it was very lucky for Bottas, who stayed with it and persevered kind of around the outside on the opposite side and uh, and continued to, to lead at that point. It's very interesting to look at how both Hamilton and Bottas took the start. Hamilton was actually quicker to the first corner. It took him four and a half seconds to get to the first corner. Bottas was about 0.15 of a second slower, but he had a better exit coming out of turn one and then was able to get down the inside of turn Because he had that two. wider entry to the yeah. apex, and I think that was the kind of switchback that we saw a little bit of, and there was a few good passes as a result of that very thing. Um, but, you know, even just back in the pack, I mean, Daniel had a great start um, and did really well to hold on to Leclerc. And the well, problem, Leclerc had a good start as well. Yeah, Leclerc had a good start, but... You know, and I think there was some insinuation from anyone they spoke to in Ferrari in the pre-race that they were worried about their race pace, and that was just so obvious early on. Charles was holding everyone behind. I think it was Sainz, um, Perez. Ricardo, Perez. I mean, there's a lot of uh, Norris back there, all being held up by Leclerc. 
and it was, I think, nearly 15-odd seconds of, of a gap before we even started to see Daniel getting DRS. And it took Daniel, I mean, a few laps to, yeah. to make that pass on Charles. He he really defended heavy on that on but, that yeah. third place. And then once he was passed, we saw he was so quickly, one point, I think it was like 1.7 seconds, when we, you and I both saw the screen, it, it when was, he, was, he was ahead of him, and it was like less than one lap. Daniel took literally yeah, a lap to get a 1.7 ahead. Yeah. And what's interesting there is what we've missed in all that is that Albon just went backwards. He went oh, backwards. We've we got to touch on Albon later. Yeah. Yeah. We're Where not going to touch on him. We're going to whack the, him around. Mean, <laughs> the last race that he's ever going to do in Formula 1. Oh, I Maybe. think so. There'd be a big chance he doesn't race in wherever the hell we're going next, Portugal. Portugal at uh, Portimao. Um, he, you know, he went backwards and that freed up Daniel. I think so. Daniel in that point's in. Uh, so you got uh, uh, Bottas, Hamilton, Verstappen, Leclerc, Daniel. Daniel gets past. So Daniel's in fourth, right? Fourth position. So he's he's racing in fourth, and then it's a matter of you know, can all those others get past Leclerc, and and will they be able to make up that time on Daniel? That was that was quite a fascinating. It was good to see Charles actually battled that until the point where he, I think, he decided to pit. He pitted on lap eleven, and he went on I think on mediums. So he, he lasted a while yeah. on mediums, but. Uh, like it didn't drop out of the ten for too much longer. Like he was pretty much in the top ten for all of the race, and that's probably one of his best drives of the year for a mm. car that is still predominantly. I shit. mean, the best part about Charles Leclerc <laughs> is, is I'm being blunt, and he, I'm being blunt. He's just showing Vettel to be either disinterested or off his game. Yeah, I, I think, think it's. I think it's the in first. every session. It, really. It, yeah. yeah, it's just disinterest. Yeah, disinterest, and I think it's a combination of both. That. Oh, here we go. Come on, do the shoey, Dan. Do the shoey. So there's there's po- there's champagne being sprayed. Daniel's there's got Daniel's Max, got, Daniel's Max had is his, getting coded got his trophy. As coding Dan. Spoiler alert: Daniel gets the podium. Um, <laughs> I haven't mentioned that yet. Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I just I just realised we haven't actually uh, haven't actually mentioned that, but we'll get to it. Um, but Daniel, I mean Martin Brunner was pretty confident. I think what Martin wanted to say but didn't was that drinking a shoey would kill coronavirus. That's basically <laughs> what Martin was trying to say. Um, come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. Rip Dan. it off. It. Rip it off, mate. Come on, mate. It's not a podium without a shoe Max drink. Max is totally genius. I think what's right disappointing now. here is that there's, because they don't have the interviews at this point, there's no kind of stop down. There's a quick stop down here for a go. photo. Oh, no. No. But no. Um, oh. he's just having a swig out of the actual bottle. There's no one egging him on. Boo. There's no crowd to egg him oh. on. They've oh. cut away from the bloody podium. This oh, can we touch on that as well? Yeah. The horrible direction of this race? This, from a television perspective, now, you know, as people who work in the media, this was awful to watch. Now, it was I, probably the I'm one be, the I'd be curious, and feel free to tell us that we're talking at our asses if you tweet us on Twitter or whatever, <laughs> but... Oh, I, I just felt like it was badly covered from start to finish, yeah. don't you reckon, Harry? Yeah, even especially at the end, we we're, were looking, you know, there's Perez is chasing Daniel, mm. and we're watching the, the Haas and the Ferraris. The fact that you and I spent more time watching the timing yeah. than the TV just is, is a real indication that the director's not doing their job. They, see, the director's job is not, and Connie, you'd, you'd relate to this working at Speed Week, but it's not just to show the right action in pictures, but it's graphics, you know? Yes. What do people want to know at this point? I want to know in real time, what's that gap? You know, at all times, yeah, no the, matter the what you bring the up. One, the, they've always got the gap to the person in front where we know, want the total gap. It's good to like. alternate the, the totem pole yeah. on, the, on the left, but it, just keep the most important information down the bottom. That's... That, there was never a chance, never, after the safety car restart and another, you know, f- 500 metres. There was never a chance that Max was going to win the race, right? No. So the race was between Perez and Ricardo for the podium. That's all they should have shown. And we just and there was the Ferrari the, sponsorship. Yeah, and there was, point, <laughs> there was points there where... 
they, someone was coming to the pits and they cut to one camera and then they cut straight away to another one. It's the worst mm. thing you can worst, do. It was worst direction. They I've were showing battles seen. back in 16th and 17th, for Christ's sake. We saw a lot of Alfa Romeo that I didn't want to see. Yeah. Uh, that's true. But there and, were, there and were Vettel moments. There in was a Ferrari because of the sponsorship. Yeah, right of course. <laughs> and, but there were justified moments when they did show some moments, but particularly for for Raikkonen. Raikkonen, he tried to pass George Russell, and this was not long after um, Leclerc pitted. So basically, just after lap thirteen, when Bottas locks a front, a you're front right, front, actually. Yeah, yes. And he basically hands the lead to Hamilton. That's when the race was lost for Bottas. Because on screen, and and I think, again, it's kind of inside baseball, but you know the pictures we see are chosen by Formula One television. They're not chosen by Sky and Crofty. So Crofty's seeing the same thing we are, except he's got a couple of other boxes and, and things. But we saw George Russell. So this is not long after um, uh, Daniel's gotten past um, Leclerc. George Russell is shown on screen, clearly on grass, recovering back on track. And I said at that point, he's got damage to his floor. And hang on a minute, he's got a flat. And it was... You picked that up so quickly. Yeah. That was like... Because you only had like half a second of screen time to it work was that out. legit... Which is the issue. A full lap before they then showed a flailing carcass on the right rear and the replay which showed the damage, which was an epic bit of incident, by the way. That was it a was great, an epic yeah, Formula was, 1 incident. sick air. It was yeah. massive air. Russell and got, like, one wheel air. Yeah. You know, <laughs> his rear, that rear that rear that went out, I reckon that took the entire load of the car. Well, and that's why it went out. It, it had enough air that Russell could have almost flipped over completely. He nearly did an Abu Dhabi Hulkenberg. Yeah. He really did. So at that point, you've got you know a bit of a bit of incident going on there. But just before that, Bottas actually flat spotted into, into turn one badly and really let Lewis badly. past. And that and was the, and that was the start of the, the end start of the end for Bottas. It, it didn't go well for him. He ended up being twenty two seconds back. Um, it it just was an awful awful race, and he ended up retiring from the race. Just not a good look really for for Mercedes, and it really does screw Bottas's year. Mm. It does. Oh, it that, that's completely ruined his chances now. It well, has. Well, I, the not, commentators not that he, mentioned that. But not that he had big chances, but... But there was some. always that little bit of hope, yeah. you know? Well, basically, Hamilton, 230 points, Bottas, 161. So, basically, it's close. It's nearly about a 69-point gap now between the two of them. So See, because Bottas flat-spotted, he had to pit, and he came into the pits. He came out behind Ricardo, who at this point... He's in third, I guess. Yep. Mm. Um, and so Bottas is is fighting. He gets passed pretty easily. It's a Mercedes versus oh, a Renault, and, right? And they, Daniel, you know, accepted that his car was not as quick and just let him through. But it's at that point that George Russell has, you know, this flailing car, and he's pulled off to the side, and it's it's not in an area where it can be drip pushed out. They need to get a an earth mover out to crane it, and workers need to come on the track. Virtual safety car. So virtual safety car comes in. Hamilton, Verstappen, and Ricardo pit. And that's actually fundamental to the race, I think, because Verstappen and Hamilton pitting is no no brainer because they they can. But Ricardo's got that group: it's Norris, Sainz, Perez, all there close to him. It's a very strategic decision to go virtual safety car. It's not a full safety car. You don't get the full advantage, but we're going to pit, mm. and it puts him back in. You know, sixth, seventh, eighth, or something. Mm. And it's some time before you get the fruits of that labour. So, I think it was a bold decision by Renault and a very very smart one in the end. Or was there pit strategies both then and at the end that has paid off for them? Yeah, that's right. Um, so Bottas then ends up with no power, change around drive mode settings, senses all this stuff, and retires. Done, deal, he's out. Albon's racing Gasly, 
<laughs> this is the best. This is the best quote. So let's talk oh, about Albon now. Oh, came out of his let's, mouth. let's go Al- for Albon. Um, uh, so Gasly cuts straight across the chicane and obviously has to. Um, uh, no, that was uh, Kvyat. Sorry, yes, Kvyat um, uh, goes straight across the sh- chicane and has to redress. Albon comes past him, but really does pull to the left onto the, onto the racing line a bit too quickly, not knowing that Kvyat is actually not that far back, and he, he clips his front wing, loses the entire front wing of Kvyat. And he doesn't get a puncture, but he gets a five-second penalty. Comes into the pits a little bit later to serve that penalty, but they don't work on the car. They don't look like they're going to. They put him on the jacks and they retire the car. Well, about after that incident, Albon challenges with Gasly, and he th- literally throws the car into turn one. Like literally, just throws it in, and they almost collide. And then and he gets on the team radio, and Albon is saying, "These guys are making me work hard." No they're, shit, Sherlock. You're made to work hard. They race, they race me so hard. They race me so hard. Referring to his sister team, and it's like, mate, that's that's the sport you're in is racing. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone. Uh, I mean, obviously, Red Bull can assume some support from Toro Rosso and different or Alpha Tori in certain ways within the racing, but there's no way anyone thinks Gasly is going to go. Oh, it's a Red Bull. I better let him pass, yeah. especially given it's Albon who's in his car. Mm. Like, which, Gasly would still see it that way. And which we're seeing more and more is the correct positioning. It, okay, so we've we've discussed now. Albon retires, they push it away, and you said earlier it's his last appearance in Formula 1. I think it one. is. Honestly, I, I don't disagree. Like, if, if you're helmet marker, you're going, okay, so we've That got, was weird. What they're have like, we got? Like, six laps left. Yeah. They're, they're six, six races left in the, six in races the year. Six now. Um, what are we doing for 2021? We've got engine dramas we'll talk about later. But what are we doing? Like, do you now go, okay, bring Brick Gasly up. He's clearly a better driver. Or is Gasly just really suited to the Alpha Tauri team? We were talking about this in the previous podcast where that Gasly's probably in a good position right now to be a free driver on the market. A free agent. I, right. think he, I think he says, you know, fuck off Red Bull. That, that would be the smart move from Gasly is to say, you know, you can initiate that part of my contract because he's obviously under contract. Mm. But... At the end of the year, I'm doing my own thing, and oh, don't guarantee that I'm going to be I'm going to be on. People are already um, <laughs> showing what the honey badger might look like as a no, um, not a fan. Dan- so Daniel, by the way, um, pointed out he was asked by David Coulthard. He said that it would be something with a German flavour, which I think is cool. And he said it would also yeah. be about me. <laughs> so you can expect it to be a honey badger, I think. And, yeah, and what did you, what did Sarah yeah. say? As Sarah said, "Hello, Sarah." She said. It should be a honey badger wearing a lederhosen sh- shorts and braces eating a schnitzel. Good call. Good call. Or just with a big beer glass or something like that. A stein glass or something. Um, so, like, yeah, so back to Albon. You know, it it just doesn't strike me that Red Bull want to do anything other than support Max. Mm. But they, ha- and that's cause they don't have to worry about Constructors' Championship. They're, that's a no-brainer for them just with Max. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the gap between Red Bull and anyone else in constructors, right? It's not like it's a risk if they just keep going with Albon. At the moment, the gap is about 181 points. 391 Mercedes to 210 Red Bull. And what after that? 170-something? Well, it's basically... Yeah, it's 178. No, 90 90 points at the moment. 90 points between... So 210 to 120 racing point are now third in the Constructors' Championship on 120 McLaren. Oh, so it's about 80 points. Yeah. So... McLaren so, 116, Renault 114. I mean, Oof. left of field. But Nico Hulkenberg came in to do a TV spot and end up racing and qualifying, <laughs> doing four laps and then racing very, very respectfully 
respectably, mm. uh, and ending eighth, I think it was. Fantastic. Yep. Why do they not put him in a Red Bull for the next six races? You'd be crazy not to put him in. Yeah, I just think Albon, he has to go. It, wouldn't that be just a really... Just, yeah, well, what's their, what's their objective? Because Albon is clearly not going to be driving in that car next year. And, and so for now, they want the points to get more yeah, money. Yeah, but do they need like, the points? This is my. This is what I'm saying about why... Helmet's the oh, kind of guy... you mean specifically why you think Hulkenberg. Why bother? No, no, why bother making the change? We think Albon should go because he's clearly not up to it, right? Well, he's damaging the car, for one. He's damaging the car. He's he's He doesn't suit... He doesn't, like, Ricardo, Weber, Vettel, um, Max. These are all drivers who... Who represented the car well on track? Mm. And yeah? Coulthard, in the early stages. Oh yeah, but let's just talk modern era. Um, and and so Gasly didn't and got demoted, right? Yeah. So Albon's not representing the car's potential on track. Mm. But you keep him in the car, you're at no risk of losing money next year because you're going to finish second in the championship, guaranteed. Yeah. So there's no there's no fight, there's no battle that mm. pushes you to make that change. So they probably don't do anything because they don't need to. And the only reason to do it is because they need to start working for 2021. Yeah. And if it's going to be Gasly in the car in 2021, they need to get him in there now so that he can start, you know, learning the car, performing, so he hits the ground running in 2021. If you put Hulkenberg in there, is he going to be there for 2021? Probably I not. I can't see them. They're just too Going much, outside the, yeah, the too team. Much, too much pride. Like, even if that is, you know, the best point situation for them yeah. for next year. I just can't see it happening. Right, we'll get to the whole driver market for next year in a bit then. But So, Hulk's done a good job. He gets up into the 10, although he hasn't pitted. Lando has some power issues. They keep frigging around with switches to give him some hope, but he then pits for tyres only. He was pissed. But, yeah, I think he was really annoyed with the whole thing because, you know, it's frustrating, frustrating, right? Mm. And then, then he has to end up um, uh, retiring, and he retires on the side of the track again. And... This is the point where we're, before this has even happened, we're already thinking, well, hang on a minute. So you've got uh, Hamilton and Max are 50, 60 seconds ahead of everyone. seconds at one point. Do you pit a Max um, and just go for fastest lap and does Lewis then follow? So a bit of that. And also, does Daniel Pitt come out behind Sainz and Perez on soft tyres and potentially go at them? So we're literally in... and. Oh, not not to say we're we're a team strategist here, but <laughs> there's no doubt that exact same situation is and conversation is not being had at those teams, right? Mm. And then Lando pulls over and they full safety car to um to move Lando's car off the track, and Daniel Pitts he's the first one into the pits. It was a frantic yeah, message, yeah, wasn't it? To the radio, and they're all, are we going to pit? We're going to pit? You're going to pit? Do you think box, we should box, pit? Box, box, box. And he goes, it's soft, soft. He yeah. was like pull, pulling for the softs, so he then he he has the advantage of coming out. In third, Perez doesn't pit on the first lap to the safety car. Luckily, a big enough gap that he still can on the second. So they all come out on soft tyres for the last 13, 12, 13 laps? Yep, 12 laps. Oh, about 10 to 12 laps. And I think what Perez was trying to do, he was trying to have a little bit more life in his tyres because if he pitted that lap or two later, he would have a little bit more of a, a, a greater advantage in his tyre life over what Ricardo did. I, I genuinely don't think Daniel could have survived without the safety car. I don't think no, he could have lasted on the tyres. I think Perez would have caught him with well, the, five laps to go, and I think he had the fresher tyres, he would have passed him. So we were yeah. very lucky to get the safety car. A- absolutely. I mean, the AWS data was saying that Perez was going to close 
to Ricardo within the Silverstone space of Silverstone proves we know AWM's <laughs> data is correct. Uh, <laughs> um, the but, tires. but even even if he pitted on softs, you know, it would have been a real challenge to get past again. So that podium would have been difficult. Yeah. Safety car out, 15 laps to go. Daniel's on softs, everyone on soft. The restart is pretty epic, let's be honest. Daniel mm. end up actually is in second at one point. It's a nice battle between him and, and Max for like a corner and a half. <laughs> uh, and then it's off like the clappers for, uh, for Lewis and Max. And Sergio is is close, but not close enough. There's no DRS for three laps, so that's a good thing. But Sergio does get a DRS for at least one lap that we saw. Got to within like 0.7, but never really then came back. Daniel just pushed hard. It yeah. was weird. I thought he was, yeah. I thought he was going to keep pushing, but he's just sort of that. He has that 1.3 to 1.7 for the rest of the race, and. It was is he conserving something to go for a massive lunge in the last it couple just, laps? It, it doesn't actually make sense like, when I we talk about the pink Mercedes at the start of the year, how they yeah. had this thing that was epically fast. Now Renault have come a long way, let's be clear. Yeah. But mm. have they come such a long way that the pink Mercedes is is slower than them? It doesn't make again. sense, right? Mm. That that part of it actually doesn't make sense to me. You would think that given that the racing point is essentially last year's Mercedes, you'd think that it would be Virtually on the same pace as this as the the other car. But yeah, also, it's not like Perez is a bad driver either. You know, job interview wise, Perez doesn't have a drive next year. No, why would you not be giving it everything to get that podium to show that you are a racer? That's what I found fascinating about it from a Perez point of view. Like, what's he? What? What? Yeah. What? He, he should well, be racing nothing, for his got, job. He's got nothing to lose right now. Nothing to lose, but lots to prove. Yes, in terms of trying to get that that job for next year. Especially when you compare it to Hulk and going from 20th to, what do you end up? 20th to 8th. Yeah. Daniel gets a podium. Renault's first podium in t- since 2011. Daniel's first podium since Monaco 2018. Which he won. You know, like, it's an unbelievable day. And Lewis, yeah. of course. 90, equaling Schumacher. Don't care. I know, but I just, we had to do it. Also, before. by the way, um, it was a lovely gesture from Mick Schumacher to hand over one of Michael's helmets, but they gave him a shitty Mercedes helmet. It wasn't like it was one of his Ferrari helmets. His dad's the, helmet from 2012. Mum didn't want you to have a what, fucking good one. <laughs> <laughs> what's the least significant one we could find? <laughs> I was going to say that um, someone that I know... Um, she was going unnamed? We'll go unnamed for now, but she, oh. she knows who she's Ooh. talking about. A certain Ooh. former children's Ooh. TV personality. I'll leave it at Fucking that. Fucking wow. Yeah. She said that uh, Lewis was playing it kind Hazel of... Hazelhurst? It's not. Hazel definitely Hurst. not. No, Janine Mapp, so actually. She's formerly so of Jimmy Giggle. No, no, no. Janine Mapp, formerly, uh, former host of Saturday Disney. Hello, Janine. Janine Mapp. Yeah. It, look her up. I trust her. She looked her up. She looks... Miss Helena is as much as I know. Oh, that's that's a long time ago. That's a hell of a long... Anyway, she was saying that uh, he was playing the blonde card playing the dumb blonde card when Mick Schumacher awarded him the helmets. Like, he didn't know that he won 91 races. Of course he bloody did. He just put it <laughs> on as an axe. So. Yeah, that's true. He did say that in the thing. I didn't even realise until it came up on the screen. I oh, mean, mate, bullshit. They were, talking, they were talking about the last, like, three races non-stop. <sighs> yeah, because he missed out on it last yeah. race, you know. That, that's what's mm. fascinating well, about it. he's missed out on the last two races. That's true, yeah, yeah. So... Um, you know, we haven't properly heard from Daniel, and I. You know, we'll tomorrow we'll go through the YouTubes and listen to the Daniel team radio because there'll be some there'll be some quality team radio <laughs> yes, there. Absolutely. I reckon from at the end of that race, I reckon there'll be some Cyril and and Daniel chat. Um, but let's talk about a little bit of of important stuff. Firstly, engines, Honda. Yes. Now, my favourite part of this weekend has been the interviews. I think Ted's done with um, Matteo Bonotto. Toto Wolf and Cyril Abitable to say, are you going to supply? Now, Cyril has to supply under the regulations. If no one else supplies Red Bull, um, the 
the manufacturer with the least number of cars on the grid in terms of engines has to supply the team without an engine. So that's that's where it's going to go. <laughs> but to, uh, Matteo was like, yeah, look, we'll think about it. But in the end, we're, we're really focused on what we're doing. We've got enough teams. We're good. <laughs> Toto, <laughs> Ted Kravitz like, so will you be supplying Red Bull in 2022? No. <laughs> it was just a flat no. Of course not. And he went on to say, look, we, we just don't have the resources to, to supply more. It would push us to the limits. There's cost caps. There's We've got enough teams we're supplying. He didn't need to say, why would we supply the most likely team to yeah. beat us with uh, the better engine in the in the paddock? So it's it's really, really sad to see Honda go because it's only been like four years. Yeah. And they just they just don't have sticking power with this company. They've been in and out of the, t- the bloody sport so many times. Last time that... Well... Let's let's have a look at it. Honda first pulled out of the sport in the current era, like in the like contemporary. We're talking in the last thirty years. They pulled out in nineteen ninety two, and then they came back in two thousand and one, two thousand and two as an engine supplier. Then they bought out BAR, which is now Mercedes, became a factory team. But pulled out the end d- of 08. The bit you missed there, well, the best part about that, well, you're about to say it, is is you pull out. And you you sell the, sell the team to Ross Braun for a dollar, yeah, and he wins the fucking championship <laughs> with the car you developed, like. That's the that's the crazy thing about them is I reckon and that's why I think it's interesting that the the number one rumor is that Red Bull are going to keep their engine and just develop the Honda engine themselves as in they become their own engine manufacturer just yeah just just give it a new new name rebadge it yeah. rebadge it and I think what what's fascinating is under the cost caps and everything is an engine manufacturer or supplier that's a separate budget right so they can probably allocate resources to that but there's biofuels in the, 2022 yeah. this they've got to get through to 2026 do they have the expertise I don't know but can you buy the expertise oh you just like, why sure not you can just buy the whole and Honda Red, F1 team and Red Bull's oh, not why not yeah and Red Bull's not short of money they can do it so you know I think it would be a ballsy move. Um, and oh. very, very, very interesting for them. And I, I just don't think that they want to be third fiddle to Renault because when you know Renault will will prioritise their number one and their number two cars before they prioritise another team. And yeah. given and given the fact that that relationship with Red Bull died so badly, exactly, they're not going to be wanting to give them that much support at all. And remember, in the, the final bare few minimum, bare minimum, yeah, bare minimum. Yeah. But remember, the final few seasons that Red Bull had Renault engines, they were rebadged. So you, could, that's how much the toxicity between that's those right. two is a is tag there. engine. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. They make watches, but you know, uh, you're right. You, you said when I mentioned Honda, you said it was sad. Yeah, like it's it is sad. Like it's a bit fucked for the sport, you know, because there's no Cosworth out there to just bring in a you know r- random engine because we're not going with you know V8. And, and the last time that Cosworth were in Formula One, they did fuck all. Yeah, but the thing is, like, and a lot of the a lot of the commentators talked about it. We we perhaps need to look at engine re- regulations for 2026, which yeah. is apparently when the next ones are. That potentially allow a Cosworth-style manufacturer just to be out of the sport but supplying a power plant. Here it is. Mm. Boom. There it is. All right. We'll keep developing it. Here it is. Here's the, here's, the, here's the engine you put in the car. All right. Here's my question. If you were a engine or car manufacturer watching Formula 1 right now, would you be willing to develop an engine in the current specs goes as goes back are? to that original question that I, that I had earlier about entertainment, and that's why um, Cyril mentioned it. Um, Paul DeRest, like a lot of people mentioned it, what do we want this sport to be? Because if we're going to go electric, we've already got an electric series. Mm. Got, well, Formula E is going to be Cyril, a... Cyril mentioned hydrogen. Mm. You know, we're talking biofuels in 2022. 
Like, what do we want this board to be? It's, it's a, like Toyota's the only one who's seriously looking at hydrogen of the manufacturers exactly. as well. Yeah. Like, it's, and Hyundai, well, I think, and, and neither yeah. of them any. Interest well, then, in. then they have no interest in getting back. And well, Toyota's got no interest in getting back. No, but into just Formula as a technology, I think Harry's saying yeah. in terms of who's motor industry, it, yeah. it's only Toyota and Hyundai working on it, and it's really big for trucks. It's going to be the big thing for Absolutely. trucks. I know electric's all very exciting, but I think hydrogen has a better potential for trucks, just for filling and all these different reasons. But um, you know that idea that uh, that the engine today is so complex that there's multiple parts. You know the MG UK, the MGU, whatever the hell. There's just it's just too too complex, right? For anyone to want to come into the sport. Mm. You know, people that make a normally aspirated engine. That's why the Cosworth example is so good. It's just a engine, right? It's not a car. It's not a car company. It's just an engine. We just need an engine in the back of these things it, that goes yeah. like the clappers, and around it can be bolted on a bunch of other things like. Just a fucking battery that you can use for regeneration, yeah. like the original Kurs. It's it's not going to be, and it won't be a European manufacturer either, because no. there's all, there's there's all re- the their, their regulations are so strict. Oh well, yeah, they're going to be going to buy. I don't know what year it is, but it's not that far away where they're going to be all uh, electric cars yeah. in well, new car sales in Europe anyway. So what's the point in investing R and D in a you know a combustion engine for them? So it's not yeah. they're they're not going to be it. That's well, it. you got to look at Formula E. They're going to go to a world championship. Cr- uh, Championship next year, so it'll be a world championship. It'll be, I think, one of four or five what world championships. What the fuck is it now? Yeah, it's just a regional championship at the moment under the FIA regulations. Next year's, next season's championship is a world championship. Fucking idea. <laughs> like as far as I know, it's just the Formula E championship, right? Yeah. But How's it, it different to being a? What the fuck's different about a regional championship? Because it has to be certain amount of continents and stuff. Correct. It? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, and uh, next year the FIA have now officially classified it as a world championship, along with World Rally. I world really don't think that's going to change its status as a sport. No, it won't. But it's they still go. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea of them being the street circuits and stuff. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's a very different sport. Yeah. And they're not, I mean, they are fast, but not as fast as, say, a Formula One car. And they can only last 45 minutes plus one lap of racing. So you're going to get <laughs> fucking battery anxiety in racing. It's just weird. Well, they just yeah. swap the cars, don't they? Now? That's no, no, no. They the, the current generation of cars now. Cause they go the whole race. Yeah. Oh, it used they? to be they pit for a change, like change cars. <laughs> <laughs> fucking so funny. I've never seen that before in my life. But I've look, the it, it's going to be the conversation for the next six weeks and next year yeah. is is how the long term risk and the look the big thing they've been saying is this is Stefano Domenicali's number one challenge for twenty twenty one is yeah. to determine what and how quickly we change and determine the regulations for engines going forward. Because they've got to be very careful, right? You can't piss Mercedes and Ferrari off because this is their big thing. They're, mm. they're able to do this. They're able to build these things. But, you know, do we need more teams? Do we need more independence in the in the, in the power plant stuff like that? I think it's a really fascinating... But who do you pitch to? I don't know. That's the thing. Well, that, that's why you go, like you know Volkswagen what? Group's got no well, interest. I think it's going to be very difficult right now, given that we're in a recession worldwide because of COVID. You know, I don't think there's going to be that many manufa- engine manufacturers be willing to put Which the money. Which is why. But you say that, but you look at, you know, I know just locally, I don't know how, assume this reflects similarly the rest of the world, is that Ferrari sales here and, and yeah. luxury car sales here are through the roof. Yeah. Because mm. the rich get richer. Yeah. You know that's why, and well, this is a whole different podcast. But everyone comparing <laughs> the GFC uh, and and now in terms of government support and stuff, GFC the rich were were affected. This Do you remember the GFC not. affecting yeah. you personally? Oh. I was too young. Okay, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> My point is this: this 
this this economy today is affecting everyone in some yeah. way. Yes. Whether it's directly or indirectly, you can see it. You can you can understand it. Yeah. GFC was this big fucking big banks, big stocks. You know, really that that's where it affected. And so it's a, it's a very different type of kind of economical problem. But the the thing going forward is, and that's that entertainment question. If we decide that Formula One is an entertainment, which it is, uh, bring back just normally aspirated engines yes. with a level of hybridity. Yeah. So bring bring in energy recovery that gives them a like it's fucking it's curs you, you as get it originally curs back. was. You want IndyCar? Yeah, yeah. I want the original curs system back, but it enhanced and developed from what it is what it was then to what it is now, but separated from the power plant in that. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It's not all this stupidly intertwined thing. It's just this. It's a boost button like IndyCar. Let's put it clear. Honda as a company are going for carbon neutrality. That's the but they're still in fucking IndyCar. And MotoGP. And committed to IndyCar going forward. At the same time as they pull out of F1, they commit to IndyCar. Very, very, they it must just be proves, a lot of cars in the US. It just proves that Formula One is too technical, too expensive, and not where they want to be. Full stop. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, wrap it up with driver movements. Whoo-wee. Like, next year, it's just... Like, honestly, I don't understand why it's not open slather right now. Oh. Kimmy, uh, by the way, and you missed this, Harry, but in the pre-show there was that interview with uh, Martin and Kimmy and Rudens Barrichello talking about Kimmy breaking his record of number of race starts. Um, but Martin said, and you're racing for Alpha next year. He goes, no, I'm not. Like, I don't, <laughs> that hasn't, what are you talking about? He goes, I don't know how this gets out. He goes, well, you, you, you've got the option, apparently. He goes, I don't have an option. I've never had an option in my contact, contract. I signed a two-year deal, and that's up. So I have to wait until I do something else. So I sign something else. So Kimmy's not 100% committed to Alpha, but I felt I felt a vibe it from was, that interview like that, that it was like... going to retire. He's not like he's running away any, anywhere yeah, soon, yeah. right? So you, you got Kimmy and Mick Schumacher. We can agree that's surely going to yeah. be the Alpha lineup. It's a great mentor. See a Giovinazzi. Mentee. Yeah, get rid of yeah, Giovinazzi. fuck him off. Although, Mattia Bernardo mentioned Giovinazzi as part of the Ferrari Driver Academy that he's doing really well. I like, don't think he is. No. There's no way he's doing very well. He's not moment. doing well. Um, uh, Albon, so Albon, get rid of him. Uh, fuck, I hate the way they get rid of the oh. um, the the scores. Yeah, uh, I've just, the yeah, scores, I just the had to change sheet. it as well. I've <laughs> um, just to skip back on the, on the app. Um, so, let's do this. George Russell needs to stay in the sport and urgently needs to get into Mercedes in, as Absolutely. soon as possible. Get anywhere. Bottas is staying with Mercedes. Ocon should go, but he's going to be there with Fernando. Albon should go, and we've discussed that. It seems like we agree that kind of Pierre is the obvious thing to put in there because they're not going to go outside okay. of the, the, the team. But what about, obviously, if the, the, the talent pool for the Red Bull Junior Academy at the moment is... It's not really there at the moment. The only, no, only person the we've mentioned, we've mentioned in the past, Yuki Sonoda. Well, now that Honda's out, now Honda's out. That's changed the game completely. Exactly. That poor bastard is like shit. That was my ticket. <laughs> this is my ticket. Exactly. That was my Takumo Sato moment. I, that was my way. I'm going to have to go to Super GT or something. So, um, like, if you if you're really honest about it, Kvyat should go. Yes. Like he's a nothing it's player just, in the, in the sport. He's not the worst, but he's not going to be. So, in terms of freed up grid spots, right? Kvyat, Magnussen should go. Um, Giovinazzi's gone. We'll talk. That's Mick Schumacher. Grosjean should go. Um, uh, racing points full. So you've got at least three or four drives open, right? Which I think goes back to our point three Look, to four races ago. Well, he, he's just going to stay because he's got money, and it'll be a year before they that that yep. new mob workout that it's a fucking rort, and they should just get better sponsors <laughs> and pay drivers like mm. the old days. Um, I think we agree, don't we, that Hulkenberg and Perez should be the Haas drivers for 2021. We've agreed for that for good. many, many weeks. 
And I'm... You heard it here first. But I know Hulk has been having deep chats with Alpha. I just don't see how that happens. I can't see that happening. No way. No, I'm just, just saying that that's... I know you're saying... And he's commented on it as well. Yeah, right. I don't know. I just, how's Mick Schumacher not driving for Alpha next year? Who else are you going to drive for? Haas? I don't know. Just I, don't I don't want him to drive. I don't want him to drive for Haas. No fucking way. Absolutely. You don't want Mick Schumacher to drive at all because he's a Mick Schumacher. Oh, just bring some fresh blood into the sport. Some fresh names. Yeah. He's a good driver, though. I mean, he is a good driver. Let's 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 face it. Well, let's find out. What about, what about the other guy that I mean? Supposed to make I mean, he should be better than Bruno Senna. <laughs> in well, terms of bringing names into the sport for the sake of names, let's hope Mick Schumacher does a better job than well, old cousin well, Bruno. Yeah, yeah. What, what about what about that other guy that was that's part of the Ferrari Drive Academy that was supposed to make his debut for her uh, for Haas on Friday? Like, oh, yeah, I don't know his name, but poor guy. Yeah, he didn't get a run either. So he's he's not he's not going to get a run in twenty twenty one. But oh, absolutely not. And, and, uh, unless unless Ferrari have have made that decision because they are probably thinking about proper five year planning, where they go, we need Ferrari Academy drivers in, on this grid big time. So then we need Mick in, we need this other dude in, and that's what affects the Haas lineup, which is bad for Hulk. What's the what's the Haas relationship though? I didn't think they had that much sway. Yeah, but that's that's that would be smart for Ferrari to go. Listen, all right. So we've we've oh, given how much you money some parts, we've given you some parts, we've given you engines. Now we're going to give you a driver. That's a big weight off your shoulders, balance wise. So let's just make this happen. Like now, it's an easy deal. Yeah. Let, let me find out who was the. Gene Hass is a businessman. He's not a race. You know Ca- what I mean? Callum yeah. Elot. Callum Elot was the other driver. Good on him. He doesn't sound like he's going to have a long future in the sport. <laughs> <'cause he's> not, <laughs> no Callum too, has ever done too well too, in the sport. Yeah. Let's be honest. So there's a lot of drives open. There really are a lot of drives open. It's it, it's a Where's solid Seb? movement. Oh wait, no, that's not Seb. Um, let's, let's, okay, I'll mention Sergio. We just yeah, no. Sergio. Yeah, yeah. mate. I just don't understand how he's not going to Haas. You reckon you're just locked yeah. in on Haas? I just don't understand how he's not going to go to Haas. I need to work out how to, again, how to pause KO. I just, is it possible? I don't think it is. So weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I think that's what's fascinating about this is we've got a really solid, there'll be some good driver changes in 2021. I was looking at the testing times from Formula 3 because their season's now finished and uh, post-season. Just noticed uh, we have two Aussies still, so I think it's fair to assume that our man Oscar Piastri will be racing Formula 2 next year. I think Alex, uh, Alex Peroni will be in Formula 2 as well next year because he finished top 10. We had Jack Doohan. He's gone from HWA to Trident. Did all right in the second day of testing. Finished in the top three. And the other Australian, Callum Williams, he actually finished in the top Fuck, two both days. Callum. I'll, I'll, yeah, take yeah, Callum. Said, yeah, I'll take back what I said about Callum's. None of them have made it in F1 yet, so yeah. you're, you're safe for now. Two Aussies in the top ten in, the, in, in post-season what testing. What are the chances there being two Callums on the radar for Formula <laughs> 1? Yeah, That's the real news here. I know. <laughs> Fuck the F3 test times. <laughs> Callums have come from nowhere there. Callum's from Perth as well. Yeah, that explains yeah, it. Yeah, so he's, he's Daniel Ricciardo territory. <laughs> what? what? Mate, don't again. knock Perth. I lived there for two years. Longest decade of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, for other reasons, really. Um, good times. Well, look, so, um, Connor, you're in charge of all things stats and schedules, so we get a week off now. We get we? a week off now. Uh, I feel like that's unbelievable. It's unprecedented. It's two, like, yeah. two lots of two-week breaks. Four, two races yeah. in four weeks. That's weird. It yeah. is that's very, normal. I know. It's, it's very unnormal. So the next race coming... Up, midnight. we have midnight or just after midnight on the twenty sixth. Harry's going to struggle with that one because he'll, he'll try and two stop that. Oh, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll do it again. I'm going to have to do the two stop. <laughs> You're going to have to get the Seinfeld episode. <laughs> just <laughs> fucking alarms. And I'm going to bring so, a swag. Yeah, <laughs> so the Portuguese Grand Prix um, just after midnight, Monday the twenty sixth of October. Then we come back one week later. Normal time, ten past eleven. The uh, Emilia Romagna Grand Prix at uh, San Marino. Two day weekend. Two day weekend. Yeah, so it's going to be. Uh, 
And then there's Bahrain. No, no, no. Turkish Grand Prix, 10 past 10 on the 15th of November. Love it, love so it. So that love no, it. normal time. Yeah, that's a good one. But here's the killers. No, don't tell me. Bahrain, two, these, two oh, different side types. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's 30, a proper two-stopper. Yeah. 30th November on the main circuit, 10 past two. No, it's Monday. a one-stop, mate. Just one-stop it and then work early. Then you got, that's the Bahrain Grand Prix. Then the Sakia Grand Prix, <laughs> 10 past four. <laughs> Ten past four on Monday, seventh of December. Oh, that's, which that's, will be perfect for you because you got to do the the today well, yeah, show. Well, yeah, the fuck, yeah, the, the, that's that'll be fine. As well, that's as better as than the two. I think the four's yeah, no. better than the There's two. No doubt, a four's always a good time because you're getting up one early. Race. Yeah, just getting up early, super early. Dry your eyes, princess. <laughs> Hey? <laughs> yeah, look. I don't have to, I've got like no set start time at the moment, so it's ruining my late night schedule. Oh, hard enough. <laughs> Harden the fuck up. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. We'll be back again in a we couple of weeks. The end there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've there was a, you know the old election yeah, worm. She fucking went to the yeah, we've oh, gone there. Uh, on that. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the EFTM F1 podcast. <laughs>